Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. Well, we are planning on putting our schedule out, our game schedule, by May 9th. We are planning, as you can tell by the draft and by the start of the league year and trying to adjust to the environment we're operating in, uh, that we're planning and and working towards staying on schedule. We will be announcing our schedule by then, and uh, we intend to do everything possible to stay focused on that and make sure that we can be prepared to execute on that uh, because that's where we think we'll be. I think people want to see sports back. Uh, We want to do it safely and we want to do it safely for everybody that is nfl commissioner roger goodell right there why not why not stay on schedule make yourself some news and if you have to change the schedule and come on the nfl is way too smart not to be rolling out contingency plans right now you have to change the schedule well in another month or two then you just change the schedule We'll see when it comes out on May 9th, but everything we're hearing right now is that it's being built with no divisional games in the first two to three to four weeks of the season. So that if they have to shorten the season, they can keep themselves as flexible as possible. In the meantime, you're the NFL. Maybe things will break your way. Who knows? Maybe you'll emerge unscathed while everyone else is getting crushed. Seems unlikely. It seems like something's going to have to happen to the NFL, whether it's Playing without fans because the governor of California has already talked about that and there's still three teams in California, even with the Raiders moving to Vegas. But we'll see what they do. We know they're going to have a draft this week. They're actually supposed to have a mock draft today to work out all the issues with the virtual draft and see what what problems might come up. So they'll have a mock draft today. And there's all kinds of trade rumors out there. The Jacksonville Jaguars holding trade discussions with other teams about their running back, Leonard Fournette. Team's got until May 4th to exercise the fifth-year option on his rookie deal. Niners taking phone calls about their first-round picks. They draft 13 and 31. They don't have any picks in the second, third, or fourth round, so could be one of those deals where they trade down and get two or three picks and then trade one of those and trade down again, see what the Niners do wheeling and dealing. That'd be the Bill Belichick method of drafting right there. Former Louisville offensive tackle... Mackay Becton, who's projected as a top 10 pick, has addressed his flag drug test from the NFL Combine with multiple teams. Becton never failed to test during his time at Louisville. Does Louisville have a reputation as a bandit school? Basketball-wise, I think it's been tarnished. Okay, but football, they were desperate for a coach, and they went back and... Petrino, yeah. Claimed Petrino had had the motorcycle accident with the girlfriend on the back of the motorcycle, and of course he was married at the time, and... yeah. I know, Donovan Mitchell flinched, but Louisville, Renegade School. Win at all costs. Make the magic happen. Of course, you know what a lot of colleges would say is, yeah, and look how Louisville's position in college sports has changed over the last 10 to 20 to 30 years. I mean, the arc has been great. Like Utah, they were on the outside of the Power Five looking in, and they jumped from one league to another. They were in something in the Metro League for a while, whatever the heck that was. And now they're in the ACC, cashing in. Bandit school, PK. Wow, that's a harsh label, but I can see where you're going. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK. 
Hashtag NBA. I said from day one, if Phil's not coaching, I'm not going to be a part of rebuilding. Phil should be the head coach, and I shouldn't be put in a position to have to make a choice to play for another coach other than Phil Jackson. Sadly as it may be, I have choices. You know, and I will not choose to play for another coach. That's Michael Jordan. Two of the ten hours from the last dance on the air last night, and they were good. I enjoyed it, PK. Well, there's a few things. Episode two uh, on the background of him and growing up in North Carolina, not making the high school team as a sophomore. How many NBA players did every single one of them make the high school team as a sophomore? Uh, And, yeah, I enjoyed it, especially because there's nothing on right now. But uh, do, do we really want the, the players dictating who the coach is? And he did play for another coach besides Phil Jackson, so he was lying about that. That's not true. And also, I mean, I thought through two episodes, it was, boy, Jerry Krause is a real bad dude. And Jerry Krause was the GM that won five, uh, six NBA titles. So is he supposed to be a good dude or is he supposed to win? Which do you prefer? Just win, baby! Yeah. So the, the fact that uh, there were some details I didn't know. I didn't know he was getting locked out of the locker room in the '80s by the coach, who wasn't Phil Jackson. It wasn't even Doug Collins. It was before that. It was uh, Stan Albeck. Stan Albeck. Yeah. So I didn't know that. I didn't know that kind of stuff had been going on forever. Okay. Uh, and that's just salacious stuff. I mean, so you could you could do that about any team and any any superstar. Do we know everything that's going on? Nope. And Stan Albeck said, well, if he played him more than 14 minutes, he would get fired. Well, I didn't look it up, but Stan Albeck wasn't the coach after he played him more than 14 minutes. So maybe he did get fired. Other NBA news, we'll get to more on uh, MJ coming up. Commissioner uh, Adam Silver said the uh, NBA remains committed to resuming the season, but that there's still no timetable for a possible return or even a deadline for canceling the 2019-2020 suspended season. Following the NBA Board of Governors meeting held via video conference Friday, Silver said the league's still not in position to make any decisions. Based on the reports that we got from varied outside officials, current public health officials, we're not in a position to make any decisions, and it's unclear when we will be. I wasn't surprised that he didn't make any decisions on Friday because they'd already said nothing until May 1, but it sounds like on May 1 they may kick the can down the road a little bit. Well, I I think we should have a poll. What day of the week is he going to say the same thing this week? <laughs> uh, it depends on if they have another video conference. It seems like that was the thing that triggered that. Uh, The NBA and the NBA Players Association have agreed to a plan to withhold 25% of each player's paycheck beginning May 15. The league and players' union announced Friday the agreement clears the way for a gradual reduction in player salaries should the force majeure provision in the collective bargaining agreement be enacted. With the cancellation of the regular season, players will receive full paychecks on May 1st. You want me to say force majeure a few more times, PK? No, please don't. (laughs) I was pretty sure that was going to be the answer there. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Japan's Nippon professional baseball season openers will not take place in May due to the COVID-19 pandemic. No firm date set for the start. Representatives of 12 teams also decided Friday to scrap interleague play. The removal of 18 interleague games from each team's calendar makes for a 125-game regular season. Both leagues originally scheduled to open play March 20th, push back April 10, 
then April 24. So they just keep moving it on down the road. They are playing, uh, the, the Chinese Pro Baseball League is playing. Yeah, so. Oh, they had a dust up. On. Yeah, but the crowd's supposed to roar, and there's no roar of the crowd. It's just guys running out on the field. And they were jogging out there. It was like. They've got mechanical fans. Come all on. right, we're supposed to be out here, so we're out here. Bobby Winkles, the baseball coach who built Arizona State into a national power, went on to manage coaching the majors, has died. He was 90 years old. Fielded the first ASU varsity squad in 1959, won national titles in 65, 67, and 69. 13 years in Tempe, coached Reggie Jackson, Rick Monday, Sal Bando, among others. Yeah, if you're looking for me to comment, if you were to uh, relate it, college baseball doesn't get near the run and probably didn't get much run back then. But on the same level of what he did for baseball, you would compare him to Frank Cush. Well, that's a good good company to be in. That's a good comparison right there. Building it from scratch and winning three national titles. All right, What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right. Got a lot of reaction to the first two episodes there. The Last Dance, MJ and the Bulls, 97-98. Your reaction coming up. First off, you know, as a jazz fan, do you even want to watch it? Or it's just bad memories and just bury that baby. And if you did watch it, your reaction to it. We'll get to all of that coming up next. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James, on Facebook, DJ and PK. Mark Madsen, UVU head basketball coach, will be here at 8 o'clock. We'll get his thoughts on MJ and the last dance. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, at 9 o'clock. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. From CBS Sports, he is Tom Fornelli. What's your evaluation of Jordan Love? He's got the big arm. He's very athletic. He can move. He's a guy that can pass the ball, and if there's nothing there and he has to run, then he can take off and get yards that way, which is what you generally prefer from your dual threat. He has the talent and the ability to be a very good top-notch NFL quarterback. I don't know if I'm drafting Jordan Love for somebody who I think can start for me right away. I think that he needs to go to the right situation where he's allowed to maybe sit for a year and pick up the offense and not be pressured to start and be the guy right away. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK are brought to you in part by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical, always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical Services at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction guaranteed. Master Electrical Services will light up your day. All right, we got multiple questions after the premiere of The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan retrospective, the Bulls, 97-98. First question, as a Jazz fan, can you watch the MJ series on ESPN, or do the memories still sting? And PK, you and I have often talked about the blurred line where, yeah, you're in the media, but you're kind of like a fan because you want them to win because it's good for business, but it's not the same as a fan because we just we didn't grow up with the posters on the walls and the disappointment as a junior high or high school sports fan when you're really living and dying with your team and just riding that roller coaster of emotion. And so it sure didn't sting for me. I was plenty able to watch it and I gotta imagine the answer's the same for you. This is where it's just not the same thing for us. 
Oh, it's definitely not the same thing for me. No, I, the only poster I grew up on the wall was of Willie Mays, who was retired. But I told you how I did that book report when I was in the second or third grade, and I was hooked on him. And I really never, I never been hooked on individual teams. I've been hooked on players, and the players that are associated and attached to those teams. I sort of take on that uh, rooting interest at the time. Roger Stallback was a hero of mine, uh, but when he went away. Although for a while there, I did root for them because they had Danny White, and I'd moved to Arizona, and Danny White was a legendary figure uh, in Arizona. But after Danny White left, uh, the Cowboys is just another team for me. So, yeah, I can't uh, relate to that at all. Personally, although I can understand, to me, I wouldn't want to relive the memories because the statues were sports heroes in this community, and obviously still are, they still are. And Jerry Sloan, a legendary coach. Uh, will always be a legendary coach, and that'll never change. And those two players will always be legendary players. That'll never change. But that was a – they had other chances prior to that, but obviously that was a big-time chance, particularly in the 97-98 season when Pippen had the injury and who knows what his status would have been as far as Game 7. It would have been at home. You know, they did have Michael Jordan, and you never really want to bet against him because he always did find a way 6-0 and zero in the uh, NBA Finals. And any of you who think that LeBron is better than Michael Jordan, you're a fool. You are just a fool. And I want to make sure you know that I know that you're a fool. And I'm calling you out this morning. You are a fool. And there are stories out there that this only got the green light. This video has been sitting there for years and years, and the project didn't happen, and multiple people tried. Spike Lee was one who tried to get off the ground. It never happened. And Jordan reportedly okayed it during Cleveland's title parade in 2016, the year that LeBron got his third title and brought him from 3-1 down to beat the Warriors. People are actually starting to think someone's better than me. Make the documentary! Make it happen now. <laughs> I read that this week, and I thought there's that's no way M- such a Jordan thing to yeah, do. There's no way MJ, uh, MJ loses to the Dallas Mavericks. That's just not happening. Not happening. Closing that thing out. It's, it's not happening. Uh, I'm sorry to tell you, LeBron fans. LeBron's in my all-time top five players if I'm picking a team, but I'm not taking him ahead of MJ. He's not losing to the Dallas Mavericks. So as far as the Jazz fans go, yeah, I can understand their pain. I can't personally relate to it, but I certainly can understand that. I've been in sports. I've been a huge sports fan my whole life. I'm one of these weirdo dudes who's been a huge sports fan without not necessarily attaching himself, particularly at the professional level, to teams. I think a lot of people, that's how they get into it, and that's fine. I understand that completely. I have no problem with that. That's the more normal, traditional route. For whatever reason, I didn't go that route, but my love of sports is the same, and so I've been around folks at the high school level, well, last year, my neighbor's kid, you know, they needed a shot to, to get to the playoffs, and the kid was a senior, and the shot didn't go down, and I'm sitting by the dad, and the dad almost, his body almost collapsed. Not literally, but you could just see it. Well, I could relate to his pain. I put my arm around him. I said, the kid had a phenomenal season. You know, when it's over, uh, sports tends to break your heart in that way. That's part of the deal. You sign up for that when you're a sports fan, <laughs> knowing that it's probably going to break your heart. And having MJ do that in 98, 
because it looked like they had a better chance in 98 than 97, if for no other reason that the Bulls were a year older, and I already spoke about Pippen's injury. Obviously, the Jazz were a year older, too, so maybe that would have flushed that out. But it seemed like, you know, you had home court in that year. Uh, if you needed a Game 7, and the Game 7 would have been at the then Delta Center and all that stuff. So, yeah, I would think as this series goes, that would get harder and harder to watch. You know, they didn't really delve a whole lot into the 98 Finals. You know, the Steve Kerr, uh, I don't know if I saw that uh, this weekend. I was preparing for it. I was looking at some YouTube videos I don't know if I said that they showed that last night or did I see that in a YouTube video? They, they but showed it. Obviously, they're going to get to that in the future. They showed, they were showing uh, quick clips from five different, the five titles leading up to, and then they showed the victory party with the five trophies. And so they showed yeah. Paxson shot in Phoenix and they showed uh, Kerr's shot. So, yes, they hit on the Jazz, but it was real quick. There was one quick interview from Mark Eaton about. Uh, right. In the, but that was about the early years of the Bulls. And, and, I mean, it doesn't sound great if you take it out of context, but basically he's being asked in year one or two of the Jordan career, you know, can Jordan put a team on his shoulders? Like, it's hard to put a team on your shoulders by yourself. You've got to have a team around you. Uh, you know, and the Bulls were still largely a mess. I mean, they hadn't drafted Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant yet. And, you know, there, there was a reason they had the number three pick in the draft. They were a mess, which they documented early on in, the, in one of those episodes. So it was, it was pretty much that quick bite from Eaton and that shot by Kerr in, uh, in 97 on the way to their fifth title. And that was it for the Jazz. There wasn't, there wasn't much jazz-oriented stuff. That wasn't really the point of the first two episodes. It's coming, though. Oh, it's coming. You know it's coming, absolutely. Yeah, so, and that would bother me as a fan. Sure. As a uh, Jazz fan, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 go, go ahead. I think as a Jazz fan, you can watch episode three because I've already seen teasers for it, and it's all about the relationship with the bad boys. It's about the Pistons. So I think episode yeah. three, you're going to be steering clear. I would expect it's going to be episode nine and ten, but I don't really know how it's laid out. I've, been, I've read some stuff that they do jump around because they're telling people's stories. So they're telling Pippen's stories. So there was, in, in episode two, was a lot about Pippen. Yeah. So there were snippets from all across the 80s, the 90s, his childhood. The idea of it is to go month by month through that season, but also reflect back on different elements of that team. Yeah. So I, the Pistons and the Bad Boys, I'm not excited about that. I, that's There's nothing new there. Now, maybe to the younger generation, I get it. There's something new, but I don't care about them. As far as me, watching the Pistons uh, beat the crap out of MJ, I've, I've seen that a thousand times. They've already done that. Where's the big video that I haven't seen in the interview? Now, as I understand it, the, John Stockton is interviewed, and he was interviewed uh, very recently. I think he was interviewed like in January, February of this year. Uh, so I'd imagine they went up to Spokane and talked to him about that. Now, that's something that I'd really want to see because that's new. The Pistons and the Bad Boys, are, are we going to include the Celtics where they walk off the court? When the game is still being played, uh, you know, the Bulls won that, uh, right? Well, we've seen that a thousand times already. So that doesn't really float my boat. So the question is, does anybody around it say anything you haven't heard? Or for someone who was as into it as you were and as the age you are, because, again, you know, a 20- or 30-year-old fan isn't going to know a lot of the stuff you know. I mean, they're just not going to. And so for you and I, who lived all of this, then it comes down to, 
individual takes from people that we haven't heard before and individual details that we didn't know. I mean, they went through the whole broken foot season, and there was some stuff I knew about that, but there was also some stuff, you know, I didn't know about that. So are you going to be satisfied with a few of those details? Because the really big stuff, the really big stuff, we know. I mean, we've seen this. We lived it. My idea is don't advertise it as a last dance if you're going into in depth on his foot injury in the eighties. <laughs> well, it's all the build up. We'll see if we get takes from people. They interviewed a hundred people for this. Is someone gonna tell us stories, you know, that we don't know? Uh, so the question is a jazz fan, can you watch this or do the memories still sting? Uh, we got varied responses, but I think as you expected when you posted it, PK. Landon, nope, can't do it. Got a thumbs up and a laughing emoji. Uh, Yvonne, I know MJ's the goat, but I still just can't look at him. Uh, <laughs> uh, nope, can't watch, Margaret says. Too painful, Spencer says. And Richard posts that it still stings. And, we, and, and that just keeps going. There, there is a lot of, Troy, it's way too painful. Um, Good. Mike, however, adapting. He says, it stung when I was a kid, but now I appreciate the fact that I got to witness the goat. Okay, I can agree with that. But I like the ones who say that it stings. And the Jazz should love it. And we should love it because that means there's passionate sports fans all these years later and they still care. And so, yeah, it still should sting. I've got no problem with that. If, if I were a hardcore of this franchise, it would sting. Because obviously you haven't come close since then to that level. You know, you got to some conference finals after that, but uh, you know, you haven't been able to get to the NBA finals. So yeah, it should sting. If you're a true fan who proverbially lived and died, then it should sting. Yeah, absolutely, cuz it's only 22 years. It's not like it's that long ago. You know, all the principals are still alive and everything and and uh, in their 50s. Uh, basically right the statues and and uh jordan i think just turned 57 pippen's got to be up there too right so they're still around they can still talk about it we still reference it and i have no problem with it stinging in fact i would be i'd probably be a little bit disappointed if somebody said nah i'm over it jared says still sings but i'm still gonna watch uh we got, uh, let's see, um, Phil says, Jazz season ticket holder here. There's no way the Jazz were winning that series. The Bulls were the greatest ever. And B. Russ got beat three times before that to the rim right side. Jordan could have head faked and Russell was going that way. It was the greatest moment in NBA history. Hashtag can't wait till 7 p.m. <laughs> so there's Phil. Jazz fan, but realist. The Bulls, they were that well, good. They'd have found yeah. a way, one way or another. The Bulls and MJ would have found a way. Well, he always did in the finals. He went 6-0, and zero, and uh, except for one of them, the other five were six games. The five-gamer was the one I had the absolute privilege to cover, and one of the highlights of my working life was being in that uh, Bulls locker room afterward when they won that first one and, and seeing, literally seeing Jerry Krause cry. And uh, when they won that first one and uh, seeing 
Jesse Jackson tried to elbow me out of the way, but I had staked out Jordan's locker when he came and he was holding that trophy. If you went, the, the shot is from uh, his left shoulder and it is him holding the trophy. Well, if he hadn't held up the trophy, you'd see my face because I am right there, right behind that trophy. And because my job for the Daily Breeze was Bulls locker room. Uh, I tell the story where, you know, I was a young kid at the time, and so I'm standing outside the locker room, and we're supposed to, you know, the 10-minute cooling-off period, and I'm standing. It was obvious I went down with about three, four minutes to go. It was obvious the Bulls were going to win, and I'm standing outside the locker room, and I figured, you know, after the 10-minute cooling-off period, and I'm by myself, and a security guy who's by the door, he says, are you going to go in? I said, yeah, yeah, when you open it. He says, no. It's already open. You're supposed to go in now to get your place. Well, I was a rookie. I had no clue. <laughs> so I thought it was like the regular thing where you stand outside and then they let you in. No, everybody was already in. They let everybody in. <laughs> so you were there. And I go in, and the locker room's packed, and it's a small space at the form. And I go in, establish my spot. Everyone was standing wherever they might be. And I staked out George's locker and stood there. And then you, we were actually in the locker room when the players and the coaches and the management and Krause was one of the first ones to come in. And he, uh, he was sobbing like a baby, man, when they won their first title. I mean, it's just so emotional. And he goes on to win uh, f- another five, which is incredible. If you want to say that they're the best team ever, I don't have any problem with that. That's always up for debate. Uh, I don't know the, how you can ever approve to fill in the blank. You know, I am a grew up uh, in working-wise in the 80s in Los Angeles and into the 90s, obviously. And so uh, I'm partial to that team. But if you want to go the Bulls, so be it. I don't have any problem with that. And, yeah, to say that Jordan would have found a way, hard to argue that because he always did seem to find a way. Brandon posting, it still stinks, but I made my 13-year-old son sit down and watch the series with me. I wanted him to see how real teams play back in the days. No soft stuff. Real teams. These are fake teams now. I mean, I get the point he's going at, but I I much prefer the rules and the style of the game now. Uh, Instead of the rough them up. Well, I thought the ugliest period was probably a little after the Bulls. The whole rough them up, take down stuff. I, it was, it was. The games were getting really low scoring in the late '90s. So as they're sitting here showing you the '80s and the early '90s, the game hadn't gotten as ugly as it was going to get. The late '90s, early 2000s, there was more grabbing, pushing, ISO back to the basket, one guy pounding the ball, and that was kind of a late '90s, early 2000s. I thought was the the most stagnant the game ever was. Now they're flying up and down the court. Guys are launching from all over the place. It's wildly entertaining. Uh, yeah, I agree with you to an extent. Uh, it drives me nuts to see three after three being clanked off the rim, though, because some metric says you should be staking threes. You should be taking threes if it's in rhythm and you're feeling it. But somebody who's one for 11 from the three, there's no reason for him to go uh, one for 12. <laughs> Just It's not happened for you that night. Shooting is a coming and going thing. Now, where I totally agree with you, in my mind, I have visions of Charles Barkley just dribbling and backing his big butt in and everybody else standing around and somebody above the top of the key is pointing and the coach is over there waving his arm 
uh, in what would be some form of a perpendicular motion to signify a legal defense, that was not entertaining at all. And to the league's credit, they adapted. So I'll give them credit. They saw something and they made changes to it so we didn't happen didn't happen but you cannot say that showtime in the time that i really got hooked on the nba was a boring form of basketball magic johnson doing his thing was not boring at all they could put it in the half court because they had abdul who was the single most uh dangerous offensive weapon in a half court setting ever in the history of the game and it, it amazes me that he doesn't get the run for greatest player ever. He's got six titles. He's got six MVPs. He's got 18, 19 NBA all-star appearances. But nobody ever talks about him as the greatest player in the league in his league history. It makes no sense to me. Whatever Jordan accomplished, well, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar accomplished too. <laughs> in fact, I can argue he accomplished more. But yet he never gets any run uh, for that. And, I, and maybe it's my... I'm not a Laker fan. Again, it's I'm an individual player fan as opposed to a team fan, but he was right there. And you look at that thing where they're playing the Celtics or the Bulls, and it was like 135 to 131. I recognize it did go into OT, but that's a high-scoring game either way, with even with an extra five minutes, right? That's what they play in uh, overtime in the playoffs is still an extra five minutes. So... There was a lot of outstanding ball played. That rough and tumble stuff got out of hand, but to the least credit, they fixed it. Ryan posting, everyone comments on the final shot. More telling was Jordan taking the ball and the title right out of Malone's hands. Stockton and Malone combined could never hang with Michael. There's a reason that most Utah fans were cheering for the Jazz while wearing Air Jordans. Well, that's that's a nice little point there about cheering for the Jazz while wearing Air Jordans and hi. Michael's Michael's I'm greatness and all that. That's me. And I and I will say, and I didn't. I mean, I I not only watched it happen. I listened to everyone talk about it after the game, and I read everything that was written or you know and heard stuff that was said after the game. But it was actually years later that I had a former NBA player tell me that yeah, Malone had the ball store stolen by Jordan, but that that was more on Stockton than it was on Carl. And he said if you ever had a private moment with the two of them, Stockton would probably say that, that he should have waited another second because Jordan was covering Hornacek, who'd been on the same side of the floor, and Hornacek was running the far side of the floor. He was headed over to the free throw line. Uh, it kind of extended along the far sideline, kind of right in front of where Larry Miller sat at the time and Gale sits now. And if Stockton waits a beat, Jordan has to choose between coming back and stealing the ball and trying to come in from Malone's blind side or staying with Hornacek. And if he'd stayed in the paint to steal the ball, Stockton could have thrown it to Hornacek for a three. And if Jeff makes it, it's over and it's on to game seven. I didn't even get that. I didn't get that. I was given plenty of time to think about that, and I didn't figure that out. So Malone takes the hit well, for thank, it. Thank goodness you spoke to Hornacek and he told you about it. You <laughs> isolate one play in a game of 500 plays. I mean, that's ridiculous. I yeah, mean, it's one play. I mean, it's just, well, it's, it's one play. Why am I going to spend 10 it, minutes breaking down one play? Because it was right sense. at the end in the pressure. Uh, Jason okay, says. I, and if you would have had. 
Go ahead. Jason says, I was 15 when we lost MJ the last time. Now, 20 years later, I've come to realize just how good he was and how lucky we were to see him play in his prime. It stings, but I'm over the MJ hate. I've transitioned to more like, I was Carl wrestling with Rodman and throwing up the diamond cutter symbol and missing clutch free throws. The diamond cutter. If you got one moment that I will never be able to explain, that's it. I will never... How did that happen? Missed, missed uh, calls by the referee, we've seen a million times. Missed free throws, we've seen a million times. The wrestling with Rodman, maybe I'm wrong on the timeline, but I think that happened uh, during, I thought that happened during the lockout. I thought that was after the, uh, after the finals. And so whatever at that point. But a diamond cutter in the middle of the game, wow. File that under distraction I didn't see coming. Was that the reason why he missed the free throws? Was that the reason why he missed shots? Was that the reason why the ball got stolen? I mean, what what parallel lines are we drawing here? It seems like a distraction. It seems like not being focused in the minute. I can't throw. I can't go right to well because he threw up the diamond cutter. He uh, missed a defensive rotation or missed a shot or whatever. But it just seems like not being focused in the minute. Okay, but he did that after he made a bucket. Yep. Still didn't see it coming, and it still looked weird to me. And it looks weird. It, it, it feels weird just thinking about it now. The diamond cutter. And if Jordan would have missed that last shot, ah, the diamond cutter, man, he was so relaxed. <laughs> Look at, he noticed John Candy in the first row. <laughs> Joe Montana. Yep. <laughs> Joe Montana Super Bowl story right oh, before the drive. <laughs> yeah. He noticed John Candy. Oh, gosh, he was so cool and relaxed. Anyone. Malone did that. He's a bum. He lost focus. What was he thinking? What a loser. I mean, come on. Brian posts, you bet I can. It was a great series with some all-time great players. The Bulls were legendary. And fans today need to look back and see what a real basketball team was. And the Bulls and Jazz were great examples of that. So there's Brian, a Jazz fan, just shaking it off and watching two hours of the documentary. Uh, there's no more legendary players in that series than there were in the Cleveland uh, Warriors series in the finals. They might have been more legendary, but the number of them, I mean, at best you're going to just come up with four. Now you got two Hall of Fame coaches, but each side had two. Other than that, it was a bunch of role players. Kind of normal. Basically, two stars is what it takes to get to the uh, NBA Finals. And in a bigger league, you're not going to have four Hall of Famers the way you would have on a team in the, in the 80s. Because those Lakers and Celtic teams are just stacked, depending on which team you're talking about. There might have been more than four, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Lakers had three with Worthy. Uh, you can only, I, I, I think that you can only get so many Hall of Famers on a team. Even if somebody else has Hall of Fame ability, he's probably not going to get the run because you can't have four guys just lighten it up all the time. It doesn't work that way. So you can argue. I mean, Danny Ainge is an incredible athlete. If he would have played someplace else, could he have not had a, a bigger individual personal career? I can argue that, yes, he could have. Uh, he probably doesn't care. He probably enjoyed the winning aspect of it. And, you know, could I go uh, somebody like a Byron Scott? Could he have had more individual accolades? 
if he hadn't been traded from the Clippers to the Lakers on draft day for Norm Nixon. So, yeah, you know, you can only have so many guys get their due. you got to sacrifice in the name of winning. Uh, you know, Dennis Johnson, uh, I can argue the same thing uh, type of thing. But obviously it was the big guys up front that made the uh, the Celtics go with, of course, Larry Bird driving it the whole deal. And the McHale and Parrish were very, very, very good unto themselves. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it's the same thing here. Uh, you know, is Clay Thompson a Hall of Famer? Clay Thompson wants better individual stats. He should probably go someplace else. Uh, uh, maybe now with Durant gone, it, it, he can increase his individual stats. But who cares about that stuff, man? It's about winning. Nick says, I'm watching it because the Bulls were a big part of my childhood, and the two teams I loved were the ones I always rooted to beat the Bulls. I rooted for the Knicks and the Jazz. As a teenager, I loved to hate Jordan, but it was the same kind of hate reserved for the Yankees, the Cowboys, and later on for the Patriots and Alabama football. You hate them because they're not your team, and they're the reason your team isn't winning the title. It's possible to have absolutely hated, all caps, hated those Bulls teams. I only rooted for MJ versus the Lakers in 91. And yet I still believe he is the GOAT, which he is. But yeah, the end will sting. It'll sting very bad. Nick, I get that. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that it's a little bit of a mild hatred. Yeah. It's no... The hatred towards MJ is nothing compared to what the Jazz fans had for Kobe in his prime. Yeah, you're right about that. There was uh, more respect for Jordan and more love for Jordan. And there were more boos for Kobe. And not that Jordan didn't get booed, because he did, but not with the intensity, not with the ferocity, not the overwhelming... Right. I think that at the end there, when the Jazz were playing that version of the Bulls three-peat, I think the hatred would have been towards Phil Jackson and Rodman ahead of Jordan. Yeah, you're right. Phil definitely became a lightning rod. All right, DJ and PK, you hit us up on Facebook, DJ and PK. You hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. Coming up, what'd you watch? Other than the Jordan show, obviously, other than the last dance. We'll uh, get to that. And at 8 o'clock, we're going to talk a little basketball with Mark Manson, UVU head coach, a former Laker himself, who was here as Jazz fans booed Kobe and was wearing the purple and gold in those days. We'll get to that coming up at 8 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Dirk Face for Deseret News. Draft-wise, kind of give us your thought on how many Utah players you could see being drafted. You know, that's a good question because, I mean, it looks like it's obviously going to be a banner year for the youths as far as uh, getting guys drafted. You know, it's uh, probably not unreasonable to think that there could be as many as 10. And as crazy as it sounds, I mean, a dozen youths could end up in NFL camps this fall if we have football, obviously. But, uh, you know, as far as a pecking order. Jalen Johnson looks like the the first guy that'll go. Bradley and I, Lucky Foe, too, are right up there. So it could be a real good year for the youths. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
What'd you watch this weekend? Obviously, okay, the last dance, a couple hours right there. Uh, during the day, I was grabbing something to eat, and I watched a little bit of, uh, they were running uh, ESPN, apparently for like six hours. I didn't have that kind of time. But they were running uh, Peyton's place, and he goes around, and they fly him wherever, and he tells these stories about the NFL. Some are pretty well known, and he tries to get some tidbits out of you know relaxed players after the moment is gone. He had one with Tom Brady, and they went through a lot of their playoff matchups in that, and uh, some of the regular season ones too. And they were in Jim Nance's backyard and ended up by chipping balls off the roof of Jim Nance's house onto a putting green he has. So... I guess that was fun. And then they, uh, they did it, they told a story I had no idea about, about how the Super Bowl trophy came to be the Super Bowl trophy that we see everybody hold up. And the, uh, the guy who designed it, um, Pete Rosell, I guess, was telling the guy after seeing uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, and I want something that's simple but elegant. Audrey Hepburn commanded the screen. And, you know, and it's the, the way she's looking in the jewelry store. And they got the clip from the movie and all that. And the guy cut up a cereal box and messed around with prototypes at his dining room table. So the guy who, who does this passes away. His daughter's selling the house. And the daughter mentions to the guy who's buying the house, hey, do you work for the Giants? And the guy did. He was a giant front office employee. And, and tells him the story about the Super Bowl. So uh, Peyton Manning takes his brother Eli, and they go over, and the guy retells all this story. They got the movie clips, and they mess around trying to make prototypes out of cereal boxes. You know, in normal times, PK, I'd blow right through it. I would never have seen any of these. And yet... I watched two of these yesterday, and now there were like a dozen on TV. I don't know how long you can sit there and watch that stuff. Mostly, it's, it was uh, built to run for ESPN+, but since they have no games, they put them on the air all, all uh, big chunks of time over the weekend. Oh, good for you. Thank you, PK. What'd you watch? Uh, I watched four in one. The greatest living rock and roll band sing acoustically and play. You can't always get what you want. And that, of course, is the Rolling Stones, that thing that they had on the television Sunday. They had it on multiple channels. I watched it live on Access Television and then flicked over because it was tape delayed, as most programs are on the other channels. And I think all the networks had them where they... uh, the music folk sang their songs from their homes, and they had the Rolling Stones and the four of them, the four members of the Stones, each in their own, uh, wherever they were, their own house or wherever it might be, and they were participating in that tune, and I thought it was super, super cool, because the Rolling Stones are the greatest living rock and roll band of all time, and of course, the Beatles are the greatest rock and roll band of all time, and that is not something that you can argue. If you argue that, you are an idiot. I cannot stress that even more than I already am. If you argue that the Beatles are the are not the greatest rock and roll band, you are a fool. They hold all the records. That's like saying Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is not the greatest scorer individually. You may not like him. You may think he's overrated. That's fine. But you cannot deny his place as the greatest scorer in NBA history all time. Those are just black and white facts. It's the same thing with the Beatles. And secondly, the Stones, and they are the greatest living until Keith and Mick should pass, and hopefully that's not for years to come. But I watched that entire thing, 
for a couple of hours and watched a lot of performers do their stuff. And I appreciated that. And that was the highlight of my weekend. It was not watching old sports or what have you. It was watching something that's alive right now. I feel like you were just taking shots at Steve Klauke right there. If you argue, Steve. No, that would be, I would have to be required to be thinking about him. I mean, you, you, can, you may not like their music. That's fine. But you cannot argue. I mean, you go back and look at the records, and they held them all. And at one point, they had like the top five singles in, America, no, in the world. No one has ever done anything close to that. So you can say they are some a band that I didn't like. I'm fine with that. But you cannot say they're overrated. No, their rating was absolutely justified. That's like saying LSU was overrated in football this year. No, they weren't. <laughs> you may not have liked to watch them play, but they were not overrated. They went undefeated. They finished ranked first. The, the record would indicate that that's the, the ranking that they deserve. You may not like them. That's fine. And it's the same thing with the Beatles. You may not like them. That's fine. You can have bad taste if you want. That's up to you. But you cannot argue that their records are what they were, and they'll never change. And nobody has come close to that. And so that's why that's an inarguable argument to say that they're overrated. That's like saying LSU was overrated, or the Warriors, when they won their title, were overrated, or the Bulls, and so on and so forth. No, they earned the right to be rated that. It's the same thing with the Beatles. And anybody who disagrees is a fool. DJ and PK, Mark Manson, UVU basketball coach, coming up on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.